Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we have the Ryan Ray Harbuck. Good afternoon to you. Hello. Yes, it is afternoon here. Good evening to you. <laughs> yeah, listen, that's what it's all about. This show is good morning, good evening, good night, and good afternoon, and whatever else where you are at that time of day. So listen, Ryan, it's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. Tell us, who are you? What are you doing? Where are you from? Um, so my name is Ryan and I am a native to Colorado. I've lived here my entire life. Um, I am here today, I guess, to share a little bit about myself and my journey. I just completed my own memoir, which has really helped me sort of reflect on my life to this point and the journeys, the travels, the adventures, the struggles, all of the things together. And, um, it's really helped me sort of hone in on the things that have meant the most to my life. And, um, I think one of the things that you really enjoy and really use in your podcast is really being able to be your true self. And I feel like, um, having written my memoir, I have a pretty good handle on, uh, my true self for better or for worse at this point. Um, I guess my story really starts when I was in high school. I was a, a junior in high school at the time. So that was 16 years old. And I was involved in a pretty significant car accident, um, that left me paralyzed from about the chest level down. Um, and So that alone was obviously life-changing, changing changing physically, changing emotionally, mentally, being 16 and all of a sudden having your life sort of completely altered to something that you don't even understand um, really gave me a lot of insight into sort of, okay, well, everything just stopped in time. And now all of a sudden I need to pick up the pieces and figure out what is this life thing about at 16 years old? Um, the accident itself was, um, it, it got a lot of publicity from the news because it was, it had six kids in a car, myself being one of them, everybody got injured. We hit a car head on and the driver of that car was killed. Um, one of the passengers of our car was killed. I was paralyzed. We had two traumatic brain injuries. It was a, it was a big, it was a big deal. Um, but I think that from the very get go, I did a really good job of not dwelling on it. And I don't know if still to this day, I don't know if that was just my nature or if that was because I was a naive kid, I was 16 years old and, and my biggest, you know, fear was just being unlike my peers. <laughs> um, and so I, I really strongly remember all I wanted to do was continue on doing the things that I had always done. And so I think that that, that mindset just really helped me to move forward. Um, 
I've also always been an athlete. I've been a swimmer. And I think that that athletic mindset of you practice something and you get better at it really helped me initially to sort of just kind of jump into back into what my life was going to be now. Um, the other thing I think that really helped me just sort of get past the actual accident was the fact that, um, when your brain sustains something that's really traumatic, it shuts itself off. And so I don't have any memory of my accident or even a day before to about a week after. And so, you know, very set and clear in my mind, I have my life before and then my life after, and they don't really intersect very much. And I think that that um, has sort of helped shield me from, you know, some unwanted pain or dwelling in the past. Um, and so, you know, from, from my accident, I was really able to kind of just continue my life the way that, well, not the way that I would have, it wasn't the way that I would have, but it was the way that I wanted. And I think that that, um, is more impactful. And I think a lot of times people don't necessarily get the opportunity or realize that they have the opportunity to do anything different. So, you know, living your life the way you're just living it because that's what you do versus really having an opportunity to create a life for yourself. And that's really what um, my accident did for me. But if you can believe that. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? That actually it, it's, it's obviously changed who you are or has it changed? I mean, let's not be obvious, but you know, has it changed who you are? What's your possible, what you're capable of? You know, um, I, I don't know how to answer that. I think that I have always been stubborn. I've always been very independent and those things come out of me constantly being paralyzed and having to use, you know, a lot of people to help me with things. Um, but I think that it has changed me in the sense that it has forced me to, um, understand how finite life is and how, um, your perspective really of the world around you means everything. And so it, you know, if I look out my window and it's beautiful to me, then that's what, that's what it is. You know, it could be raining and storming, but if it's beautiful to me, then that's exactly what it is. It's absolutely beautiful. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And so I think that, that, that I learned that about myself and about the world really early on. And so, um, yeah, I guess it has changed me. And I think that I have probably lived a better life so far than I may have otherwise. Mm. I know it's a, it's an impossible situation. It's just interesting. Yeah, the reflection's interesting, you know, to see where, where you're at, you know, but tell me what's, what is your fire in your belly? What's, what's your passion? So, you know, I have been thinking about this because of your podcast. And so I would very quickly, my answer would be swimming actually. Mm -hmm. And, and not in the sense of just swimming, competing, but swimming has been a part of my life. And it's been that one constant thing throughout all of it. And in my book, I've even written about swimming as a way that, that swimming actually really saved me. And one thing it did for me is um, right after my accident, being the naive teenager that I was, I didn't actually stop and think about, can I swim anymore? Um, it was just, when am I going to swim again? And, um, so forcing myself back in the pool and going through the motions and just trying to do the things that I had always done, one that connected my life 
before my accident to my life now. And two, it also just gave me a, a sense of power that, oh, I can do this. And, you know, it was humbling because it's not going to be the way that it always had been before. And it's not going to be easy necessarily. Um, but it can still happen and it can still be rewarding. And so I think that, you know, a very quick answer is my passion is swimming. I've been coaching swimming actually for about the last 20 years. And that's been a huge piece of me. Um, and that kind of leads me, I think, to my second passion is just teaching, teaching others, teaching others the lessons that I've learned and not necessarily teaching in the academic sense, which I, I did teach high school for nine years. Um, but, I, you know, between coaching and, and actually teaching, I think that that was really just an outlet for me to be able to connect with younger individuals and share with them the things that I have learned and struggled with or the things I've championed on. And it just has really, I think, just given me a great connection to the youth that, you know, may need somebody to help guide them a little bit more. Mm. That's really interesting. Uh, you know, those sort of guiding roles, that sort of teaching role. I mean, how, how do you find yourself, you know, do, do kids even see your wheelchair? Do they, you know, how do they relate to you? Or is it just, you just are, right? You know, it, it sort of depends if, if, if a kid knows me and has been around me for a while, I think that, yeah, the chair sort of goes away. Um, it was my first year of teaching actually that I had, I was being observed by my superior and, um, I had finished the lesson and I, of course, like, Oh, that was terrible. I can't believe that he watched this. And, and the only thing he came right up to me and he was so proud of me because he had no idea how I could command the attention of a group of teenagers from a seated position. And that was something I had never even considered before. I'd never even thought about because that's, you know, at that point, this is, this is all I know. I am in a seated position. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, that really kind of took, you know, I took that in and I was really, I, I was like, Oh, I am sort of proud of this moment. I didn't realize that that was something, a strength that I had within me or, or anything of that nature. And it, you know, being a very physical and visible disability, um, that was something I learned really early on too, is that it's sort of my job to let everybody know that I'm okay, that I'm just a person sitting down and there may be things that I struggle with. There may be things that I really excel at, but when it comes down to it, the root of me is just a person. And so when connecting with kids, I think the more that I can project my true self, the less that they get hung up on any sort of difference that I may have. No, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Cause I mean, kids are often easier to, to, to adjust than adults. I mean, both <laughs> emotionally, spiritually, everything, cause they're, they're less bound down by life really, you know? So it's, it's sure. Really they're also brutally honest sometimes too. <laughs> Which is refreshing, right? Rather than sort of dancing around the handbags a bit, it's like it just is, right? So yeah, I mean, I've had many occasion where a kid has stopped and asked me what has happened to me, or what is this thing, or why are my legs so ugly? And parents just, I, I feel deeply for these parents that feel like they're going to just pass out and die right now because their children are asking these things. But, but it, that's where the beauty of it is because they don't have to have any preconceived notion or try to um, convey anything that they know about this person. 
all they do is they just, they ask because they don't know. And so they don't, you know, there's no misconception on anybody's part and it's very pure and innocent. And I know that, and I acknowledge that. That was beautiful. I had one of my, one of my twin girls ask me at the weekend, this is daddy, why is your tummy so big? (laughs) (laughs) Where do you go with that? It's like, just is. (laughs) Oh, out of the mouth of babes. You gotta love it. Exactly. Well, to give you to give your book a proper introduction here. So when I when I grow up, I want to be a chair. A memoir by Ryan Ray Buck. So just for Ryan Ray Harbuck, why do I do that? So really, just to give it a proper introduction. So it is it's, it's coming live pretty much now, and yeah. it's out. So how how does it feel to be at this stage to have it there and ready? And you know, how long has this journey taken for you? Oh man, so. You know, I don't recall the moment that I sat down and started writing, and I certainly don't recall the moment where I decided that this needs to be a book that everybody reads. (laughs) But about, I would say about a dozen years ago, when I was really doing a lot of teaching and mentoring and coaching, I started realizing that I had a lot of stories that I pulled out a lot and um, shared a lot. And so I just started writing them down. And uh, believe it or not, I wrote my entire memoir out of order. I did not write it chronologically. And so I had to do a lot of editing and go back through and with sticky notes, try to figure out where to put all the different chapters and where they actually fit. Um, Because when I sat down to write the thing, I wrote it based off of the things that I was learning and the emotion behind them. Um, the struggling that I had at that moment. Um, But so it's been a very, very long process. And at some point I, well, actually it was when I was pregnant with my second child, who is now almost three, um, is when I kind of said to the universe, I am going to publish this thing. I'm going to get this out there to the world. And again, now it's been almost three years since I said that, but it's, it's finally coming together. I think that it's taken me so long because it is kind of hard. There are a lot of things in there that I've, I think I really initially wrote about because they were the things that I needed to process more, the painful things, the things that I didn't really know what to do with otherwise. Um, And so I think I've sort of all along the line been dragging my feet a little bit and getting it completed. Um, And even, you know, it's, it's just coming out any day now, I feel. And there are moments where I feel really super great about it. And I feel like it's the best thing I could have possibly given the world. And then there are certainly moments where I just want to like pull the plug and say, done, I don't want to do this anymore. Nobody needs to know anything about me. Um, and so it's, it's a really emotional, just, it's a journey, um, writing your memoir for one, I think, of, you know, not just about a specific event, but about, you know, a whole chain of events, um, is, is really raw and it, you know, it, it exposes so much of you. And I feel like, um, you know, it's almost like I've been sitting in front of the mirror for the past 12 years, giving myself therapy. (laughs) And, um, and so, you know, even just after it was completed, I still had to edit it and reread it. And I've reread it so many times that I don't even want to look at it anymore. But I am 
proud of it. And I do think that there's value in it. And I really do hope that people read it and that they find value in it. Mm. Are you proud of yourself? I am proud of myself. And I think, you know, I actually gave myself a little chuckle the other day. I was, because it, it, um, having completed it actually made me realize that I have sort of been a writer all along, you know, all of these journeys that I've taken, I've always had a blog running or when I was a kid, I used to write little like poems to myself. And, and so it sort of, it sort of made me realize like, this is something that has been in me my whole life. And I'm now just willing to let it out there. And, and so I sort of have this chuckle that, well, maybe this will be the worst thing I ever write. <laughs> it's not a bad thing, right? You know, cause you got to start somewhere, you know, yeah. and that, cause I do think a lot of people like a lot of things, they just, they forget that they sort of go from zero to hero and they, they sort of hear the headline and go, I want my book to sell a million copies. And you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, but that, but sometimes, you know, you just need to flex and, and really sort of, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. So have you enjoyed the process? I, I think you've obviously learned a lot about yourself through the, through the process. Oh, absolutely. It has been the most reflective, eye-opening creation, um, especially because I've been working on it for so long. I think that, you know, I got about halfway through and had, you know, names of chapters written out for whatever it was going to finish with. And then all of a sudden the stories changed, my life changed. And I had to replace them with new stories and new things and new people. And that's been um, really great to reflect on as well. And, and just realizing how people impact you and it changes your story. And um, yeah, it's been, it's, I suggest everybody to, write some sort of memoir for themselves because it really does it. I, I think that when, it, when I finally wrote the end, I realized, you know, there, there are some, some pretty pronounced themes within my whole life. And, and so many of them are things that I think that anybody could relate to whether they were in a chair or not. And um, I think one of those, the biggest piece that I realized was that I've had so many moments in my life where I've been utterly vulnerable and exposed and struggling and just, just feels really gross about, you know, just how I am so open. And at the same time, those are the moments that is where my true strength comes out and is where um, I'm able to actually be my true self and be powerful and meaningful. And I think that recognizing that has helped me even just in the last few months in terms of just how I live my life, how I view my life. Um, because I would say that I've spent the majority of my life, especially from my wheelchair, trying to be like everybody else trying to be as normal as everybody else and as boring as everybody else. And over and over again, things happen in my life that remind me that that's, that's not my path. My path is different and to be okay with that. And to even sort of embrace that has been, has been a challenge. And I think that 
like I said, really just in the last couple of months, have I been willing to kind of hold that in and say, okay, okay, I can, I can do that. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so powerful to, to just to learn that, you know, and, and, you know, reflect, I suppose, on where you are. Interesting, because you, you mentioned there a couple of times about your true self. I mean, how close do you think you are to your true self? Or are you, you know, is it, is it are they one and the same? You know, you've got your true self and, the, and the, the self that we are. And then, of course, we have all the self that we are in the classroom as a mother, daughter, whatever, right? So right. You, how close do you think you are to your true self? Or are you one and the same? You know, I think that... Uh, you know, hmm, let me think about this. So uh, I am my true self and I behave with my true self. However, there are identities that we all have, sure. um, whether we chose them or not. You know, I have this identity of a paraplegic. That's not something that I chose, but it is something that's very deep rooted at this point, because, you know, if you're in a store and you scan the crowd, you're going to notice me because I'm probably going to be the only one that's sitting in a wheelchair. Maybe not, but, mm. and so that identity that has been sort of an interesting struggle for me because it's not something that I chose. It's not something that necessarily benefits me or, and it's also not something that, that, uh, makes my life worse. It really doesn't. Um, but it is an identity that was given to me. And so, you know, while I say that I am my true self and I behave with my true self, there are those like little identity things that get in the way of that. I think, you know, even just, you know, having the identity of being a mom, that, that is something that I chose. And that is something that I'm very proud of. And I work really hard to be the best mom that I can be, but at the same token, you know, that is my true self. However, that's an identity within that. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like there are these branches off the tree or of something. Course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, but we are all different to different, different roles to different people, right? You know, and I mean, on Zoom, you're just another person. You know, the chair is not there. It's just, you just are, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, but then, yeah, it, it's just, I find it so intriguing that, you know, there's listen, there's a bit of ego, there's a bit of everything, right? That's, you know, and soon you will be, you know, a, a you know, a well-known author as well. So you have all these titles that we bring in as well, you know, and, and, um, and just how we do, how we react, you know, um, different things. I mean, I, I only know from my own book and, and I went bestseller, I literally hid for three days. <laughs> It's like, I, I just didn't want to be seen. It was like, what have I done? You know, all these and people are sort of starting to message me saying, I've just read your book. And it's like, oh God, let me go hide somewhere, you know, and this sort of fear, right? You know, but um, it's just just that acceptance of self, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, a question, and I'll come back to that thought, but do you think this was destiny? I have lived my whole life believing that, I have a path to follow and no, and I can deviate from the path a little bit, but for the most part, it's, I'm, that accident happened for a reason. And I, you know, and, and whether I'm right or not, that gets me through to the next day, sure. because if I didn't have some sort of belief that that was meant to happen or my life was meant to happen the way that it has, it 
I may have a much more difficult time living each day. And I think that, so I think that very early on, I sort of adopted this, you know, perpetual fatalist view, everything happening for a reason, because it, it just made everything make sense to me. What, what drives that? Or what, what are you connected to there? If you don't mind me asking, is that, is that religion? Is it spirituality? Is it just an inner belief and knowing? Just an inner belief. I don't, I, I'm not a religious person. Um, you know, I speak about in my book often, I speak about like the universe trying to talk to me, but you know, whatever that is, whatever I feel guided by it's, it's probably comes down to me really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all it does. It does make a huge difference. What, um, what, what are you good at and what are you terrible at? <laughs> um, I am terrible at taking a compliment. I am terrible at taking credit for something. I'm, I have a really hard time, um, uh, appreciating myself the way that I appreciate others. Um, I'm really good at putting myself out there and letting myself be vulnerable for the betterment of me and for the betterment of everyone else. Mm-hmm. Really good at swimming. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's, uh, how is swimming for you? Is it just straightforward enough? Yeah. So, um, because my legs don't work, they sort of drag right behind me, which if anybody listening is part of the swim world, you know that drag is a really negative term and it's a really bad term. Um, and so learning over the years to not necessarily try to swim like my old able-bodied self, but actually changing my strokes a little bit to adapt to the body that I have now has made a big difference. And that, you know, that was a, a big emotional roller coaster to go on to is to sort of understand, well, my body is different. So I need to swim differently. And I would say that that took about a dozen years too, for me to actually accept the fact that I needed to change things in the pool if I wanted mm. to get more out of it. Mm. That's amazing. And uh, just linking back, so you talked earlier about mindset. I mean, is, is that something that comes naturally to you or is it, is it in the family or what way? Because, I mean, you certainly come across as a very positive and, and clearly focused person. And, and I'm just wondering, is, is, that, is it nature or nurture? Maybe that's maybe the better question. You know, I think it's both. I think that, that some of it is just me because I can't, I can't tell you any other way. <laughs> But I, I really do think that my accident and just sort of, like I said, learning how finite life is and how precious um, your moments are and learning how to hold on to moments. I and mean, there's been several experiences in my life, even just really little, small, minute things where I've realized, oh, hold on to this. You want to remember this. This is, this is something for you to remember. And just being mindful of that. Um, and I think that that's really sort of set the stage for the rest of my life in terms of being sort of driven to be the best that I can be, because what else am I going to (laughs) be? Yeah, just uh, exactly to be the best version you can be, but it's amazing. I mean, how many people, I don't care, you know, whether you're able-bodied or otherwise, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's how 
you know, how they are just not aware of their own capabilities. They're not, you know, even open to what's possible and owning themselves, owning their own beliefs, ideas, everything else. It's huge. Well, and gosh, I mean, I think it's so much of it comes down to is you don't necessarily know what you have until it's gone. And so I think that some of my drive and my purpose have come from things that have been taken away from me, you know, whether that be from my car accident and being able to use my legs or, you know, I've had several health scares in my life where I've been put on bed rest for months and months and months. And, you know, that alone is just a reminder, like, Hey, you, you know, you have this one life and if, and, and that's all you've got. It's, and, uh, if I don't really hold on to that, um, and, and, just realize what I have at any moment, you know, anything could be taken away going from, you know, picking my kids up to school. I could, I could be on bed rest tomorrow. And I, and I know that, and I hold on to that because it helps me live my life from day to day as best as I can. And it, you know, I think that it helps push me past maybe what, I originally thought I could accomplish or could do. Um, and I think that's, that's true for everybody, you know, and, and I think perhaps a lot of people don't have things taken away from them in that regard. Um, I think the pandemic has taught a lot of people, a lot of things related to that. And we've, I think globally seen you know, people switching jobs, people quitting jobs, people moving and living on a boat somewhere, you know, and, 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 and I applaud that. I think that it is remarkable because that's what we should all be doing in the first place. We shouldn't have to have the bad thing happen to us in order to do the good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, I mean, I know for a lot of people for change and all that, it's like, you know, if, and it's true. I mean, typically from your darkest hour comes your brightest moment, you know, and, and it's, but it's like, do we really need to go to the very, very dark place? You know, it's like, <laughs> is there, is there possibly a shortcut or not necessarily a shortcut, but a, an ulterior way of maybe just sort of tapping out before you bottom out, you know, and, and just saying, right. Yeah. Okay. And it's interesting, as you say, the pandemic has been for all its curses. I think it's also been a lot of mixed blessings in there as well, you know, and um, I think there does seem to be a global shift, right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's funny when the, when the pandemic first started happening and everything globally locked down, I remember being kind of comfortable with that because I have experienced that personally. I've experienced my own sort of lockdown, you know, being forced on, I was on bed rest for eight months at one time without sort of a clear end in sight. And that's really what it felt like. But at all of a sudden I was on bed rest with my whole family. And, and so it was kind of, you know, I hate, I hate to admit it, but it was kind of a joyous moment for me because, you know, we, we all had to sort of slow down and be with each other and um, were able to look at the things that really matter. I, uh, yeah. I think a lot of people enjoyed it. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, but tell me this, do, do you know what you're capable of? Um, oh, I like that question. I don't think so. And I'm going to say that because 
as I've alluded to, as I don't give myself a lot of credit (laughs) and I just do things because that's what I think I need to do, or that's, um, you know, I, I would say that I don't put a lot of weight in some of the things that I do that others would. Um, you know, I, just having conversations like this with you, a lot of times I'm reminded that maybe, maybe my mindset is different than other people, or maybe the, the outlook that I have or my drive is, is different than other people. Um, and so I, I probably don't give myself enough credit to know what I'm truly capable of, but I do know that at the end of the day, I'm always proud of myself for the effort that I've given. And that's something that I've held on to pretty much my whole life is making sure that I am proud of the effort that I've given. Mm. Do you like yourself? Do you love yourself? I do. That's true. That's true. Even, even if I'm not going to compliment myself, I still do love myself and I love my journey and everything that it has given me. I'm curious, what does complimenting yourself mean or not mean for you? Hmm. I don't know. You know, perhaps I think as I'm, I'm just sort of thinking of this now off the cuff a little bit. Um, I think throughout my whole paraplegic life, I've been complimented without sort of any reasoning behind it. I, you know, I've had a billion instances of just rolling through a store and somebody calling me inspirational, you know, and I think that that may be where some of that lies because the act of me being in a store is not inspirational. It's not. (laughs) I am getting some pickles off of a shelf and there is nothing to that. And, and so I think that perhaps all the years of that sort of building up have led me to downgrade the things that I do because I am just wanting to be like everyone else. I'm just wanting to do the normal things and not have somebody think that that is remarkable just to be at like baseline. You know, I, if I'm, if I'm doing something remarkable, then that's different. (laughs) But for the most part, I've been overly hyper complicate, complimented my whole life Mm. for no reason in my eyes. So I think that's probably where that comes from. What remarkable things have you done then? (laughs) um i I bet that's all you know (laughs) i have had two children Mm -hmm. which i think you know if i thought about this 10 15 years ago if somebody would have said you would you would have two children and um for one just having them and then for two raising them uh i think that those are very remarkable things for myself um, I, so I've spoken about bed rest quite a bit. And there was one instance of my life where I was on bed rest for a really long time. And during that time was probably the darkest that I've ever felt, um, just in, in any given period of my life. But what I recognized during that time was that I started dreaming a lot about swimming. And so as soon as I was well enough 
I hopped back in the pool and I made a promise to myself that I was going to put 100% of myself into swimming, competing, doing everything that I could in my power to see how far it would take me. And, and I did that for two full years. I got up every single morning before the sun and I trained and I used it as an example with my students about, you know, what happens if you put 100% of yourself into something. And I made it all the way to the Paralympic trials that year. And I swam really, really, really well. And I am very proud of that. And I did not make the team, but I left that meet completely content. I was so worried that I was going to cry. I was so worried that I wouldn't know what to do with myself. But I left that meet just feeling like I had made the team because I knew that there was nothing that I could have done differently. There was nothing that I would have changed. I also think that it helps that at that meet, I met my husband (laughs) and we connected really flawlessly and really quickly. And we were married in three months from the time we met. Um, and so I think things shifted for me. I, you know, I had my sights and I was so focused on this one event of swimming and trying to make this Paralympic team. And that's really what was, what was driving me at that point. Um, I mean, I was a mad person for two years for swimming and when it was all said and done, it was done. That was it. And I had a wonderful husband three months later. Sounds like it kind of snuck up on you while you were very distracted. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> I might say took advantage, but we'll not, we'll not go there. <laughs> How wonderful. How wonderful. What does that teach you? Well, the whole of my swimming in that part of my life, it taught me that you could really live your life without regret, that you could. And if you did that, if you truly did that, to where you were putting all of yourself into something and there was no even possible way that regret was going to sneak in there, that you would be happy regardless of the outcome. And that was, that was a really meaningful lesson for me because I think that, um, I mean, regret is something that everybody has to learn sometime, unfortunately. And, um, a lot of people get hung up on the idea of regret. And I had always, I think, lived my life really, really scared of regret. And I always wanted to make decisions um, based on what am I going to regret less is sort of how I would go about my life decisions um, at the time. And so, and so that whole swimming journey really taught me that you could do it without regret. Mm. You could do, you can, you can actually complete a challenge without any regret and it may not go the way that, that you want and that's okay. And then as you, as you kind of put it, I was so distracted that, I almost missed a big opportunity and something, you know, and, and perhaps during that time, I was really living my truest self to the very root of me. And it enabled, you know, my husband to be attracted to that and to really, I mean, the, the way that we met, it was the last night of the meet and I was filling up my water bottle right before my last race. And he came up and said, hello. And that was it. <laughs> wow. It's beautiful, right? I mean, it's just, it's meant to be. Yeah, totally. Well, it's, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's fabulous to be at that, that, um, 
Yeah, just to be achieving like that, and right to be to be out there and you know, to going that extra mile and being that extra um, best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, very refreshing. Tell me, who do you think will benefit from your book, or what's who's it aimed at as such? So I think that my book really could be for anybody. It really could because I think that the themes are very general. Um, but I do think that somebody that may need some guidance in terms of how to talk with themselves a, a little bit more, because there's a lot of, I'm actually just learning this right now as I'm talking about it. There's a lot of self-talk in my book that I am just realizing where I'm looking at an instance or an event and turning it in and trying to acknowledge it and figure out how to react from it. And I think that that is something that, you know, maybe that, that teenage population or, you know, the the college twenties, something that's, that's a population I think that really needs help with that. Um, But I also think that anybody sometimes might need a reminder that you look at something that's happening in your life and you massage it and you take it in. And even if it's really yucky, you embrace it and then you figure out what to do and you move forward because that's what you do. And otherwise you're going to get stuck. And in general, would you say you're, you're pain driven or are you pleasure driven in general? (laughs) I suppose I would say that is hard. Um, So I'll tell you real quick, a side story. So I just finished writing an article about pain, about physical pain. Mm -hmm. And so perhaps, perhaps I am leaning towards the pain um, because it's something that I have not only just experienced in my life as in general, but also I have the sort of abnormal sense of, I know what pain's value really is because I have had many instances in my life where I have not been saved by pain because the very root of it, you look at it and pain is there, physical pain is there to remind you or to tell you that there's something wrong, right? And I not being able to feel half of my body, there have been times where I, my body has been trying to tell me that there's something wrong. You need to seek attention. And I haven't. And so those things have, you know, left me in the hospital wounds, things like that. And so I think that I have a special relationship with pain, at least with physical pain. But I also think that all pain is sort of, um, can be melded into the same category. And so I think that I appreciate pain in a way that maybe others don't. Because as I've mentioned um, a couple of times, those vulnerable moments that I've experienced in my life, those are typically very painful moments too. And those are the times when I recognize that I have been my truest self or my strongest self. And so I guess I, guess I would answer pain. Weird. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's, I think when people are being brutally honest, I think, I think it's very common. People love people would love to say, "Yeah, I'm pleasure driven," but yet there's nothing like 
you know, the worst of a situation to bring out the best in people, you know, and, and uh, unfortunately, I, 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 in a very unacademic way, I think it's an 80-20 split, you know, where people are generally driven by lack, driven by frustration, driven by fear, mm -hmm. whatever else. And um, yeah, because I mean, to, to look at even, to look at the likes of pain and, and, you know, see it as a positive thing. I mean, that's, that's next level, right? Is it? I don't know. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of, but I suppose even the challenge of any situation and you, as you so refreshingly put it, you know, that actually to accept your circumstance in some ways, you know, or, cause if you're going to resist it, it is going to persist, you know, the usual, that aspect. That's but you accept it and, and then actually then you can do something about it, right? It's, it's a level of awareness or a level of acceptance. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite chapters in my book is called, I, I even might mess it up. My acceptance of the acceptance of others accepting me. <laughs> Give me that again. My acceptance of accept my acceptance of the acceptance of others accepting me. Okay. And I wrote it as a recipe actually. Wow. And just chronicles little snippets of stories of my interactions in the world with others and how that acceptance piece is really key in terms of even just communicating with others and that acceptance of just having that, that self-acceptance and, you know, yes, I'm in a wheelchair. Yes, I cannot ignore that. And this is what happened to me. This is how I live my life. Um, but then also like the the weirdest hardest part of that is ha is accepting how others are accepting me and that's been i think um well i would say early on that was a big challenge but once i realized that i had to accept how others were accepting me to truly accept myself <laughs> now i'm getting now i'm getting twisted here mm -hmm. um but that that was that was key are you quite an intuitive person? I'm sorry, say that again. Are you an intuitive person? I think so. Mm. I think I am. I think that um, I, I think that I am a good observer of the world. And I also think that um, I've taught myself to uh, reflect within myself about the things that I'm observing. And I think that that is um, really when it, what matters. It's, it's, it's fascinating because I know just several people I've interviewed in this and when you, you impair a sense or an ability in some way that actually it, it heightens others and we suddenly almost become, you know, extra observant, extra seeing extra things that others, details that others just don't see um whether it's a body's survival mechanism or a curiosity or whatever or just uh, you know and that's what i was curious because you come across as very sensory which is quite i just i don't know just yeah does that make sense absolutely yeah i also um have always claimed to have the best hearing of any human in the world <laughs> <laughs> as as a teacher that was that was always a a very good benefit <laughs> to that's the kids quietly talking in the background. That's that's a, a self-proclaimed uh, strength. It is. <laughs> <It's> just... it <laughs> oh, it's amazing! What did you teach out of interest? 
Um, I mostly taught high school biology. I taught some other sciences as well. I taught anatomy, a little bit of physical science. I blew up a classroom once, once teaching chemistry. So I did not teach a lot of chemistry. Nice. <laughs> That's a great thing to put on the CV, if nothing else, isn't it? You know? <laughs> sure. No, it's that's capable. What do you think? I mean, is there going to be more books? Do you think is there going to be more? More. Gosh, you know, I hope so. I, you know, like I mentioned, I really realized through this journey that I've been a writer all along, and um, even now, as my book is done, I have started writing a couple of short stories to, and trying to submit them in places and. I wrote an article for the Huffington Post, which was published a couple weeks ago. And so it just, it just feels right. It just feels like something that um, I've needed to do all along. And so, you know, stories and things have come to me rather easily. And I'm just going to just write it out and see what happens. <laughs> well, where, where do you find you in your flow state? What's, what sort of really helps you to express those creative abilities? Um things like this, communicating podcasts, you know, I've um, just in having my book coming out, I've done a ton of podcasts and um, they're great because it's, I'm just rehashing my life, every bit of it. And having this conversation actually challenges the way that I'm thinking. And I, you know, even just in this short time that we've talked, you've stumped me a couple of times and it's, truly fascinating. And I'm going to have to go sit down and think about that a little bit more. And, you know, and maybe a story comes out of it. I don't know. <laughs> That's amazing. And your, your moments of inspiration, are you a sort of a inspiration in the shower? Are you going out in somewhere in nature? What's what usually inspires you? Oh man, it's, I swear I have the best ideas right as I'm falling asleep. <laughs> and so I have to, I quick grab my phone and type a little note and hope that it makes sense in the morning. Um, but I've actually, in the last few months, I've gotten really, really good at sitting down for about 10 minutes because with the two kids at home, that's really all I've got. And so if, if they're actively playing and they're doing a great job together, I will grab my computer and I'll get that 10 minutes and crank out something. And, you know, there's no time for writer's block. There's no time for you know, thinking about something and outlining it. It's just like crunch time all the time. <laughs> Pain driven. It is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, there's yeah. not like a screaming child to focus the mind or. A, yeah, how a, did I not see this? <laughs> yeah, a moment of silence. It's only like, yeah, go, 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 go. Quick. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's always amazing. The inspiration that we get, you know, so tell me what's, what's a guilty pleasure for you. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. Actually, I was, um, Right before this, I went on a little walk around our neighborhood and I was talking to my friend that lives in Germany and we were kind of chuckling about the fact that my children don't have any idea about the things that I actually, you know, want or love. They have no concept of it. The other day in the car, my child said that he was going to, he was going to buy us all things at, at the store. And he said he was going to buy his brother a toy his dad some tools and he was going to buy me some cleaning supplies. <laughs> and so I'm telling this, this story to my friend. And while I'm walking, I said, Oh, I'm going to walk to Starbucks. That's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to get myself some, you know? And so, you know, just, it's like little silly things 
Like, I, do I need a coffee? No, I don't need a coffee. But if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it for myself. And there's nobody else that's going to change my mind. I don't need a bunch of cleaning supplies. <laughs> I think being a mom, a lot of yourself, it doesn't get taken away, but it evolves a little bit. And so I think I don't have a lot of things that are just my own that I would call like a guilty pleasure. Mm. Um, because I am very, very family driven and their needs always come before mine, which is why my child thinks that I want cleaning supplies. <laughs> I'm always just, uh, I always sit on the fence on that. You know, it's like, you know, people say they'll do everything for their kids and you know, the kids are, are more important than them. And it's like, is that, is that right? Is that, you know, my husband's always telling me like, go do something, go do something for yourself, get out of the house. And I am finally to the point, my youngest is almost three, that it almost feels okay. And I, and I recognize that it would be good for me to, I don't even know, go do something by myself for two hours, but there's just this like connection to where I feel like that is not a possibility. <laughs> and if it, is a possibility. If I force myself to go do something, it's not enjoyed because I feel bad because I'm not part of the process with my children at that point or something. I don't know. I think that it's not healthy. And I think that, um, but it's, it's how I function right now. But I was going to wonder, is it, is it, you know, possibly connected to the fact, you know, saying that almost the very fact of physically having kids and then obviously the getting it, that, that, when, when we sort of desperately sort of, you know, having them is such an amazing thing that then you kind of go, well, I, I don't want to miss a second. It's like, you yeah, know, I mean, yeah. I don't I, no point. No. Yeah. Cause it's not that I don't like trust them. My oldest is eight and I trust him more than I trust a lot of the teenagers I know in my life. Like he is a very good kid. Um, and so it's not that it's, it's just more of, you know, I just need to be the best mom that I can be. And I need to be accessible at any moment of any day. And I think that that's just sort of, that's where I'm at. And I don't think that others that aren't that way, I don't think that they are bad parents by any stretch. I just, it's almost like, it's like this innate thing that I just can't get. I can't, I can't not be the center of their worlds or whatever mm. it is. It's interesting how you just changed the future tense language. You know, it's like, I need to be as opposed to other things I am, you know, it's just, yeah. mm. that's curious, right? You know, it's, yeah, I don't know. I'd say that I'm a good mom, but I don't necessarily say that the way that I choose to be a mom for myself is the best. Mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, Cause I do give up, I think a lot of my, self on a daily basis for them. Hmm. I, it, I don't hold on to that. It doesn't make me long for other things. It doesn't make me regret it, but that's just the truth of it is I, I and I think that's ultimately why, why I decided I needed to publish my book when I was pregnant, because I think I was kind of like, Oh shoot, I'm not going to have any self left when this one's born. So I better get this going. Makes sense. What well, is? I mean, once once a book, you know, sort of leaves you and, and goes off and, and creates its ripples there as well. It is like it is a birth in many ways. You know, it's a birth of a creative thing, being whatever that can that can act outside of you. 
And it's like, well, and that's how, that's actually how I finished my book is I did a chapter that I mirrored having my second child with writing a book and it was sort of the experience mirrored back and forth. So I could have written my book. <laughs> there you go. It's the, it's the, it's the book without the labor pains, right? You know, yeah. It is. So, so tell me, I mean, if you were to describe your fire in your belly in one or two words, what, what would they be? I think that the fire inside of me is realizing that everything that we have is really precious. And that comes down to the people in our lives, the days that we're given, the nature, all, every single piece of it. And um, just really wanting to be the best for every bit of it. Mm. Beautiful. So tell us where can people get a hold of your book? Where can you know people follow you, track you down, hunt you down, stalk you, any of the above? Yes, please. My website is my full name, ryanrayharbuck.com. Um, my book will be all over Amazon and please purchase, review it, do whatever you'd like with it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And is there a final message you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Um, I guess I would say if you are listening and you're connecting with our conversation, um, really take that in with yourself and, and think about your purpose and your true self and, you know, really reflect on your own vulnerabilities and see if you can't find your strength in there. Hmm. Beautiful. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you sharing and being so open and, and sharing and caring with us. Listen, I know the book's going to go far and wide, so well done you. It's, uh, it's awesome. Until I'm sure there'll be another one. I'm, I'm going to predict it there and say there'll, okay. be, there'll be many, many editions to come. So listen, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, wish you all the best of luck. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you. 